There's a game show uh, that debuted on television back in uh, December of, uh, of 1956 called To Tell the Truth. Uh, any of you remember the show? Anybody who ever watched? And there's been several reincarnations. Reincarnations? Several, uh, incar- no, several uh, updated versions. There you go. The uh, <laughs> brain's not working this morning. Uh, well, anyway, three contestants claim to be the same person. A celebrity panel asks them questions and must guess who's telling the truth. Uh, there were two contestants that were false, and one contestant was the real person. The catchphrase from that program was, will the real blank please stand up? Well, this morning we're going to talk about telling the truth. We're going to continue in our study of First John, and we're going to focus on truth versus lies. John is writing to a group of first century Christians who were facing heretical teachings. Much like today, they were surrounded by people who were spreading heresies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. John calls them antichrists. Uh, We're going to talk about two questions concerning antichrists this morning. The first question is, how do we recognize an antichrist? The second question is, how do we avoid becoming an antichrist? Now, there are two antichrists that John talks about in this passage. The first is with a capital letter A, um, and uh, that is the same person who is called the man of lawlessness in 1 Thessalonians. He also appears in the book of Revelation. Now, you hear Antichrist, you may be thinking, well, that's who you're thinking of, thinking about the big A Antichrist, uh, the, the one who's going to come and deceive the nations. No, uh, the, the second Antichrist that is the one that we are going to talk about today, and uh, that's the little A Antichrist, and that's what we're focusing on during our time here. So let's answer this first question. How do we recognize an Antichrist? Turn in your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to pretty much finish up chapter 2 except for a couple verses. Starting in uh, verse 18, 1 John chapter 2, 18. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you, will, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you have, you have received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. First question we're going to deal with is the one there on the screen. How do we recognize an antichrist? Stephen Dow of Heritage Wesleyan Church in Colorado Springs says there are three marks of an antichrist in this passage. The first mark of an antichrist is that he or she is a separatist. There were those uh, in John's day who were being led astray by a philosophy that was contrary to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. It's called Gnosticism. They claimed that there was a secret knowledge of salvation that only a few could know. They believed that you had to have a divine spark or pneuma in order to be redeemed. 
But that wasn't enough. You, always had, you also had to have gnosis, which is the Greek word for knowledge. You had to have a special knowledge in order to be born again. And they separated themselves from the true church, these Gnostics. Uh, you may have heard of some of their texts, like the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Peter, or the Gospel of, of uh, Truth. The fictitious book, The Da Vinci Code, which uh, sold millions of copies, inspired a movie by Ron Howard, uh, is based on false gospels like these. The book claims that Jesus had a physical relationship with Mary Magdalene, and that's utter heresy. But the book debuted at number one. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for week after week after week. Like I said, it sold millions of copies, but it's all based on false heresies. These Gospels were rejected as Scripture by the early church in A.D. 350. But there is a fascination with them today. Just as the early Gnostics separated themselves from the true church, so are many people doing the same today. They believe that there just isn't one correct way to know God and come to salvation and live out the Christian life. Listen to this. This is from a Time magazine article from December 22, 2003. And uh, it's about this guy named Bill Coffey, and uh, he uh, uh, has been doing some thinking about his faith. And, and uh, I just want to let you know, this is what he says when he talks about um, uh, the Gospel of Thomas and uh, these different herit- uh, heretical Gospels, these Gnostic Gospels. This is what he said. He says, it's sort of a do-it-yourself kit you're endowed with. You've got to grab the stuff in your own soul and work on it to realize your relationship with, your, with God. It's sort of a... A do-it-yourself kit. A do-it-yourself kit. Um, To me, that is just an utter rejection of the presentation of Jesus Christ that is found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, And, you know, it's it's embracing this do-it-yourself Christianity. And there are literally thousands of people soaking this up, separating themselves from the true church of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the Bible in favor of heretical teachings about him. To be an antichrist means that one is literally against Christ. To reject the Jesus of the Bible and separate oneself from the true church of Christ means to be an antichrist. It does not mean that if someone stops coming to First Christian Church that they're an antichrist. That's not what it means. Unless they're going to start a church that stands opposed to the Jesus of the Bible and they start believing lies, uh, then they would be uh, a separatist and an antichrist. Those in John's day who separated themselves from the true church and began believing heresies were antichrists. And I believe that the same thing holds true today. There are those who separate themselves from Christ's church and follow anyone other than the Jesus of the Bible. Those people are antichrists. Now the second mark of an antichrist is that he or she is a liar. John says that those in the church have received an anointing from the Holy Spirit of God that has convinced them of the truth. The antichrists perpetuate lies instead of the truth. They deny that Jesus is the Messiah. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. They spread lies about Jesus and claim that he is not the perfect son of God. Have any of you heard these things? You heard of people talking about these things that, you know, Jesus was just an ordinary man. Uh, the, the whole thing about the Da Vinci Code that he had this uh, physical relationship with Mary Magdalene. Uh, you know, these people who believe these lies and perpetuate these lies do not have the Spirit of God living in them. For John says that those who deny, who deny Christ do not have the Father in them. But those who acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Messiah have the Father. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard 
tells a parable of a theater where a variety show is proceeding. Each show is more fantastic than the previous and is applauded by the audience. And suddenly the manager comes forward to the front of the theater and he apologizes for the interruption, but the theater is on fire and he begs his patrons to leave in an orderly fashion. The audience thinks that this is the most amusing turn of the evening and they cheer thunderously. The manager again implores them to leave the burning building and he is again applauded vigorously. At last he can do no more. The fire races through the whole building and the fun-loving audience with it. Kierkegaard said, and so will our age, I sometimes think, go down in fiery destruction to the applause of a crowded house of cheering spectators. The audience perished because they were deceived. They thought that the the manager's warning was just an act. The world is being lied to every day. There are lies being perpetuated every day. The book of John, in John 8:44, Jesus called Satan the father of lies. And the world is falling for his act. They swallow his lies, hook, line, and sinker. We talked about the world last week and how we're to separate ourselves from the world. And we're not supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. We're not supposed to embrace the things of the world. Uh, and, and the world, because the world is passing away. And they are, the world is full of lies, the world is full of liars, and they pass on those lies to others. You know, you think about the cults that go door to door perpetuating lies. Do you want to know how to recognize an antichrist? Do you want to know how to, to understand and, and figure out who an antichrist is? Listen to what they teach. If they teach lies that are opposed to scripture, then they are antichrists being fed by the antichrist, Satan. The third mark of an antichrist is that he or she is a heretic. This goes along with telling lies. They perpetuate lies and heresies. They believe false things about Jesus Christ, like the book that talks about him having a a physical relationship with Mary Magdalene. It's a lie. It's a downright heresy. Those who teach that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. There are some people who believe that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Those who teach that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. There are people who believe that Jesus didn't rise. There there, are... uh, those who teach, there are some who teach that Jesus has already come, that uh, we're not, we're just waiting for nothing, that Jesus has already had his second coming. There are those uh, who teach heresies about Jesus Christ, and they are antichrists. I think that the, we, you know, we too often associate the word antichrist with the figure from the book of Revelation. Indeed, the antichrist is mentioned in Revelation, and he is a real figure. But John is telling us that it is not just limited to one person. There have been, and there are lots of, antichrists. There are some who say that Jesus is not the Messiah. There are some who say that his death on the cross did not pay the penalty for the sins of the world. There are some who tried to deny that any of it ever took place. They are wrong because the Bible is true. What the Bible says about Jesus Christ is true. What it says that he died on the cross for the sins of the world, that is true. Uh, Jesus Christ was a real person. He was really God in the flesh. He was God on earth. He died a real death on a Roman cross in order to take away the sins of the world. And we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ in the saving work of in his saving work when we are baptized those who accept his offer of salvation and are baptized for the forgiveness of their sins will be saved. Mark 16:16 16, 16 says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Don't believe the heresies of this world. Do not believe the lies of this world. Read your Bible. You want a, you want a, a surefire way to weed out the lies of the world, read the truth. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is truth. We read the word, we read the Bible, we learn the truth, we know the truth, and we can separate it from the lies. Otherwise, 
Just like the world, we fall hook, line, and sinker for the lies of the evil one. So the first question was, how do we recognize an antichrist? The second question is, how do we avoid becoming an antichrist? You may think to yourself, well, why would I become it? How can I become an antichrist? John says that those he is writing to, the Christians of his day, are to remain in what they have heard from the beginning. Well, from the beginning of what? From the beginning of their Christian journey. They are to remain in the truth. Remain in the truth that they have been taught and have learned. He says that if the truth that they have, uh, that they have learned, remains in them, then they will remain in Christ and God the Father. I like the word that the New American Standard Version uses in these verses. It is the word abide. It means to remain, as the New, New International says, or to stay put. One definition of the word abide is to dwell. John says if you want to keep from becoming an antichrist, you need to de- dwell on the truth, to make truth your home. And I think that's really cool that this word abide means, you know, kind of live in an abode. Um, but we're supposed to live in the truth, to remain in Christ, to live in Christ. You have to know the truth inside and out so that you are able to spot a counterfeit on the spot. Uh, Shannon, my wife, is a vegetarian. She's home with our son this morning because he was up all night sick. Um, and we, we, have, uh, we have discussions. She's a vegetarian. And uh, in order to get, eat, uh, get enough protein that she needs, uh, she eats fake meat. And uh, there are certain things that she won't eat. She will not eat fake meat, fake meat hot dogs. Do you know why she won't eat fake meat hot dogs? She says because they, take, they taste too much like meat. And I say to her, now you have to understand, my wife became a vegetarian when she was five. She was five years old. She found out what meat was and she didn't want to eat it anymore. Her parents tried to bribe her. She wouldn't do it. She just wouldn't eat meat. And so this woman has not eaten meat in, well, in a long time. I'm not going to tell you how old she is. But she has not eaten meat in a very long time. And, uh, and I always ask her, how do you know? She says, I'm not going to eat that because it tastes too much like meat. And I'm like, how do you know? You haven't eaten meat in over 20 years. Now, on the other hand, I can always tell the fake meat because I eat lots and lots of real meat. And because I eat the real meat, I know what the fake meat, I know when I'm eating fake meat. (laughs) Believe me. If I'm spending all of my time dwelling in the truth, and I am uh, in the truth, dwelling in the truth, abiding in the truth, remaining in the truth, then I will be able to spot what is fake just like that. Just like the fake meat, put it in my mouth, choke it down. If I'm in the truth, I can spot a lie. If I remain in Christ and I spend all my time in Christ, I will not fall prey to an antichrist because I know the real thing. The second thing we can do to avoid becoming an antichrist is to listen to the Spirit. He says that Christians have received an anointing. Well, when do we receive the anointing? It's when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Well, when does the Holy Spirit come to dwell in us? It's when we're baptized. Listen to the words of Acts 2.38. Peter told the crowd, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 8.9 that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. The Holy Spirit is very important in the life of the Christian. The Holy Spirit is what guides us. The Holy Spirit is what leads us. It's God living in us. 
No, Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would remind them of everything that he had taught them. Jesus told them that the Spirit would guide them into all truth. That's what the Spirit does. It convicts and it convinces of truth. We have to listen to the Spirit of God when something doesn't sound quite right. John said in verse 27, you do not need anyone to teach you. You do not need anyone to teach you. So, Sean, get off the stage. Now, does that mean I'm out of a job and I need to go back to school and find a new career? Does that mean that we don't need to have a sermon? We don't need to have small groups? We don't need to have Bible studies? Well, if that was the case, then why would Paul say that the Spirit gives gifts of teaching to certain people? I think that what John is saying is that we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to what we are being taught. After all, what is John doing in this very passage? He's teaching. So we have to listen to the Spirit of God to either confirm or deny the message we are being taught. Have you ever heard a sermon? Have you ever been listening to a sermon? And I pray that it's not this one. Uh, but have you ever been listening to a sermon? Well, I pray that you are listening to this sermon. I'm praying that the sermon is not the one I'm talking about. Um, but something inside of you, when you're listening to a sermon, something inside you just says, man, that just doesn't sound right. Something just doesn't sound right about that sermon. I remember this one time, Shan and I went to visit a church. We visited this big, huge church in Minnesota on a Saturday night. Sometimes we'd go to Saturday night services around the Twin Cities just to see what they were like, to have a time of worship where we could just praise God and, and not have any Sunday morning responsibilities like preaching the sermon or playing the piano or taking care of kids, anything like that. We just, you know, we wanted to go and just worship God with, with fellow Christians. And so we went to this big old church that had, it was the largest church, one of the largest churches in Minnesota. We went to their Saturday night service. And after the sermon, I thought to myself, man that that just didn't sound right in the sermon there were verses taken out of their context there was more psychology in this sermon than scripture and I was very disappointed and the Holy Spirit seemed to be saying to me that just doesn't sound right my hope my prayer is that you never leave here on a Sunday morning and the Spirit says to you after one of my sermons that didn't sound right now if that ever does happen if you're sitting there and you're thinking some Sunday morning Maybe this morning. But if you're sitting there on a Sunday morning thinking, man, that just doesn't sound right. I want you to call me. I want you to email me. I want you to pull me aside. I want you to grab me and say, Sean, that didn't sound right. Can you explain that to me, why you said this or why you used that verse? Or, you know, I, I, the last thing I want to do is to spread false teachings or to use Scripture improperly. I want you to know that you are welcome. You are welcome to ask me questions about my sermons. You are welcome to ask me questions about the way that I study Scripture. I'm not perfect. And I can make mistakes. And I want you to know that you can come to me and you can raise your concerns with me if the Spirit stirs within you. The Holy Spirit says to you, man, something about that just didn't sound right. I need to know that. I need to know that the Holy Spirit is telling you that uh, something wasn't right. And we need to talk about that. And I need to examine what I'm saying. I need to go back and listen to the CD. I, I need you to go back and listen to the CD or listen to it online at www.gfcc.net. And a um, little plug for our website. Um, but uh, we need to talk about that because the last thing I want to do is spread lies. The last thing I want to do is teach Scripture wrong. Uh, listen to God's Spirit, though. Listen to His Spirit, His Spirit, and you will keep from becoming an antichrist. Jeremy Bowen was the presenter of the new of a new British Broadcasting Corporation documentary on Jesus, and he said the important thing is not what he was or what he wasn't. The important thing is what people believe him to have been. A massive worldwide religion numbering more than two billion people follows his memory. That's pretty remarkable. Two thousand years on, you see this massive worldwide religion numbering more than two billion people is all about who 
Jesus is. It's all about Jesus Christ and what the Bible says about him. That's the truth that we know. That's the truth that we proclaim. There are many who have come proclaiming to be the Messiah. I think about a guy like David Koresh down in Waco, Texas. And uh, he was an antichrist, but yet hundreds of people followed him. There will always be the danger. There will always be the danger that we might be led astray by an antichrist. And we have to know how to spot one, and we have to learn to run the other way. We, have to, we will recognize an antichrist because he will be a separatist, he will be a liar, and he will be a heretic. And we can keep ourselves from becoming an antichrist by remaining in him and by listening to God's spirit. And that's what it's all about when it comes to the antichrist. John was right, my friends. John was completely, 100% and totally right. We are in the last days. Jesus Christ is coming. He is coming soon on the clouds and power and glory, and he will return to take us home to be with him where he is. He said that he has gone to prepare a place for us, and when he comes back, he is going to take us to be with him where he is. And that is our hope for all eternity. And no matter what happens here on earth, no matter uh, how many people may spread lies about Jesus, no matter how many antichrists may come claiming to be the Messiah or claiming uh, to, uh, to speak for him uh, when they only spread heresies and lies it doesn't matter because the real thing the real jesus is coming back soon the real jesus will return and he will come back to take us home to be with him that's my hope and i pray that that is your hope let's pray heavenly father we do thank you for the truth of scripture for the truth of jesus christ we thank you that he is the way the truth and the life and we pray father god today that those who have never put their faith and trust in him, those who have never uh, accepted him as Savior, might come to that knowledge of the truth, to know that he died for them, to know that he loves them, and that you love each and every one of us. We thank you for your amazing love, your awesome grace, your incredible mercy. We pray that today, God, that you would stir in our hearts, that we would remain in you, that we would listen to the Spirit, and that we ourselves will never be against Christ but we will always be the one who is for us and not against us. Be with us in the rest of this time of worship today as we seek to praise you and glorify you and honor you as God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.